Coming to you live from the Kintec studio. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. It is hour number two of Canucks Central, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Uh, if you missed hour one of the show, I suggest you go back and listen to it. Yannick Hansen with some always insightful thoughts, uh, reflecting on his career as a player and uh, sharing some insight on how he feels uh, what's going on with the Canucks right now could be affecting those players. Uh, also, a lot of questions about uh, Tanner Pearson and Elias Pettersson, including one uh, from Ross. Uh, actually, there was a few. Uh, Sat, please respond if you can. Is Petey saying he wants to leave now? Well, if you'd like the answer to that, well, I suggest you go back and listen to hour one of the podcast. Yes, at, at least as far as I no, <laughs> at least as far as Sat knows it. And uh, we sort of laid out the different scenarios that lie ahead for the Canucks with Elias Patterson as well. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. We do very much so appreciate it. Uh, but it is a Friday, so you know what that means. It is time. Yes, it is time for the mailbag. Everybody's favorite music track comes in. Terrific. Producer, Just hits the spot. Producer Josh Elliott-Wolf. Still wearing his Vikings hat. He's been all Vikings all week, Sat. He's got support, man. He believes. He believes. I don't really believe. He doesn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to What kind of a fan are you? You don't even believe they can win a division, a, a wild card round weekend affair with the New York Giants? Jeez. I, I'm like relatively confident, but also not at all confident. It's not the little Giants, you know? The big, the big Giants? The Big Giants? Oh, wait. Josh doesn't know the movie Little Giants. He's too young. Oh, yeah, yeah he is I do too not. Young. <laughs> it's a movie? Oh, Josh. Wow, yeah, you've never oh. seen Little Giants? Unbelievable. Came out in 1994. I was negative four years old. I'm sorry. I wasn't <laughs> even born yet. I, mean, I guess fair enough. I mean, how many movies do you watch, have you watched from that were made before you were born? I mean, at least the legendary movies I watched. Yeah, at least some of them. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Josh? It's not good. Support your team, coward. Just one team. <laughs> I support them. I uh, I am fully on board. I hope they win. I'm just scared about their chances. But hey, they're eight and one at home this year. So ludicrous performing at halftime. Yeah. Nothing could go wrong. I mean, any movie with Rick Moranis should be the movie for you. So no, okay. Let's not do that again. <laughs> Ed O'Neill, at least. Come on. I'm looking at the cast, too, right Al Bundy? I, I know these people, sure. All right. Uh, Let's get to some questions. questions. <laughs> yes. This one from W. Will the Canucks management group articulate a proper plan for Elias Pettersson before trying to lock him up long term? I would be hesitant to sign Max term here, too, unless there is a legit plan to contend going forward. Yeah, they have to have a good plan, right? I mean, and we talked about that. And I think what Yannick mentioned is you have to be really honest about your plan and what the real realistic time frame of that is, right? And you can't sell coming back with the same group again. It can't be the same thing. No. So I think there has to be change. And you really have to articulate in an honest way how you think this can turn around in two years or three years or, or whatever that is and how you're going to go about that. And by the time you get to July 1st, the hope is that you've at least made a few trades and, and reshaped the roster to some degree. 
you would uh, have to share more of uh, the plan with with Pedersen than you have the fan base. I think that should be uh, a little bit of the expectation, um, at least at the very least, right? And, and and it has to somewhat start in the lead up to this trade deadline, right? If you have an opportunity to move on uh, from some players and you know, at least hint that uh, there there is some sort of long-term look at turning this thing around an acknowledgement that what is here hasn't been good enough that the mix isn't right and the team has to go in potentially a different direction but that direction is around Elias Patterson and as long as he knows that I'm sure um you know, he'll, he'll be okay with that. Because if you think about athletes at the level of an Elias Patterson, guys that have that much confidence in themselves as players, yes, he knows he needs a team around him, but he'll also believe in himself that he can be a guy that leads a team uh, towards being a consistently above-average club that's headed to the playoffs and potentially more than that. So... It's going to come down to the money and really committing to Pedersen that that he is a major part of the plan and that the plan is to get there in the next few years. Uh, This one from Phil. Still on Pedersen, what would a theoretical package to pry Pedersen out of Vancouver this offseason look like? So I think it would look like what Eichel got plus more because there isn't the same skepticism around his future there's two years of control remaining and you get to decide what what the contract looks like and how long it's going to be to some degree in negotiations of course right like it at least you have some control about you know how you do the structure of the contract which is also important nowadays how much the bonuses go and all that all that does have a lot of value and there was none none of that really with jack eichel you were taking it on plus you were taking on risk and you're paying a lot so i think you're looking at a really good roster player like an alex tuck who is an impactful player like a really good player a first round pick of course goes without saying and a prospect peyton krebs who was the best best prospect the vegas golden knights had and at the time was considered one of the better prospects or that you can acquire across the national hockey league so that and i think you're probably getting another high level asset in in addition to that um what what uh, what have the arizona coyotes been asking for for jacob chikrin three uh, the the equivalent of four first round picks something yeah. like that and you're not getting that i mean they're not getting that no they're probably not getting that but Canucks you know, would have a better chance at getting that for Patterson. Yes, I would think so. That's what I was going to say, right? Um, and that's like the the Eichel trade was three, essentially three. I mean, even yeah. more than that value. I mean, Tuck was Tuck's a, a really Tuck was a first player. round pick too. Yeah, uh, Krebs was potentially a top ten pick, but the injury sort of bumped him further down mm-hmm. in the draft when when he was selected. Um, so and th- and then they got another third round, another first rounder. Um, the Sharks right now are. You know, I mean, dreaming that they're going to get three first-round picks for Eric Carlson, but with some salary retained. But yeah, I mean, your ask is at least your ask is at least the equivalent of four first-round picks, and you know, that even doesn't really do what the ask is justice because sort of like we talked about with Hughes, you're looking at two to three premium premium assets. Yes, and that's. And and, and yeah. first round picks aren't necessarily the premium asset. I mean, it all depends on 
ultimately what you're looking to do as a franchise, you know, what type of, you know, um, pathway you're taking. And if you're taking a super long one, maybe you want the more prospect pick oriented version of the return. Otherwise, start looking at similar players around the league that you might be looking at. You know, I mean, people always talk about the Barzell. I mean, I think that's more realistic. When we get to the stage, if a player like him wants to get traded, what's more realistic is you're seeing something along those lines. And again, I'm not saying it's going to be Barzell, but a one-for-one one in that regard. What, what, like the Kachat deal the, where they got exactly. Huberdeau, Huberdeau and, and Uyghur. Something along those lines. I think that's probably the more realistic trade you see as opposed to the more idealistic one we talk about in terms of futures. Uh, next. Uh, Jabo, is there one player who could be traded, so someone on the trade block, that you would keep around with the belief that a new coach could revitalize their game and be a contributing piece moving forward? It's a good question. It is a good question. Tyler Myers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I would say Brock Besser. I would. I feel like I would lean Connor Garland more. Hmm. Just because we've seen more of Besser with, well, I guess it's just Green and Bruce, but I really think it's just those two guys, to be honest. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of anybody else. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I those, mean, that's pretty much it. Those are the two guys that are biggest on the block. I guess you could go and dip into uh, Abbotsford and talk about Hoglander and, yeah, and Pod Colson potentially. Yeah, I I just wouldn't count them because. You know, it's clear they they want them down to, to, to get developed, and there is more of a long-term plan for those guys. Whereas, you know, guys would term that you'd be looking to move. I, I'd say the guys who are actually on the on the block or could be looking to get moved, it's just those two players, right? The JT thing, I don't really think he's actually in real risk of getting traded. Like, I don't I don't get the sense that that's the case. At least not right now. We'll see by the off season. Um, I, w I was just sort of hypothesizing today, but like, what if JT's on Team Tank? He's like, yeah, let's get Bedard in here. That'll help out my next seven years in Vancouver. Yeah, he was here for seven years. <laughs> let's figure this out. <laughs> Probably not, but like, you know, it was just uh, sort of fun to think about. Uh, uh, I was on Josh's side, though, last night when he was defending JT Miller on Twitter. Now I, I I feel like I have to be a huge JT Miller defender now. But <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you know, it's just okay. So, you know, he doesn't really support because he assumes those two defensemen are going to handle it. Yeah, you know, that that's what he's assuming. He sort of sits. Like, hey. he, he sort of waits on the wall, hoping the puck comes around to him. Yeah, and you know what? Like considering how bad this team has been defensively, and it's late in the period, maybe you should just skate back and hey, help out. Make sure that we just get out of this without something else going wrong, right? Like, yeah. I think that that's a fair criticism to have, but it's not his fault that goal happened. He could have perhaps been more engaged, of course, and, and could have been extra conservative and, and been extra aware on it, for sure. But that breakdown isn't the... Like, he's not he's not at fault for the true breakdown that led to that goal, which was the two defensemen making a mess out of it with, with Quinn Hughes and Ethan Bear. So I get it, Josh. And I even, like, you know, I, I said some stuff about JT on Twitter. People like, what about the Hegel play? What about this play? And it's like... Do you, do you want us to do play-by-play -play for everything that we're talking about here? Yeah. You know, like, do you, do you have to say, oh, this play was good, that play was bad? It just shows how polarizing JT Miller is, and it's hard to just give you the accuracy of what's going on as opposed to, you know, taking the more extreme side. Mm -hmm. 
Multiple layers of breakdown. That's all I was trying to say. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Next question. D, 2023 draft. So we talked about this a bit last week. The hypothetical of like, what could the Canucks trade to get first overall if they don't get first overall? So we, I think we all decided it was very, very impossible or very unlikely. Yes. But in this scenario, the team with the number one pick is willing to trade it for Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes. This is D's proposition. Would you be willing to trade either for Bedard? And if you had to choose, would you prefer to keep Pettersson and trade Hughes or vice versa? I'd keep PD. Yeah. If I if I could choose one or the other, I would choose Hughes to move for Bedard. Um <laughs> I I think I've gotten to the point where I'd I'd move either for Bedard though. But would that's move, just me. Would you move both for Bedard? Like in the same deal? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm assuming to add to this hypothetical that it's like, hey, you're picking in the top five, ten, you're sending that pick, you're sending maybe another first, and one of Pedersen or Hughes. We're really yeah. living in fantasy land. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to make it semi-credible. Yeah, I, honestly, like I said before, I, I'd keep Petey, like, to answer the question. And, uh, like, there's no r- realistic trade scenario to acquire Connor Bedard, really. Yeah. There just isn't, I don't think. Like, the only way is if there is one team that truly thinks Fantilli's the better prospect and is picking first overall and is like, you know what? We'll go down one pick. <laughs> you know? Like, that maybe to me, that's the most plausible scenario for that pick getting traded. That would be the ballsiest GM move ever. Fantilli yeah. is the better player. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the only way I see it, right? Or you think that it, there's not that big of a gap and you can really hit this home. Like, that's the only way. And then that one singular GM would be the guy who wins the first overall pick. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is it is similar to the McDavid draft where I, I think there was, like, some people were like, oh, you know, Jack Eichel's not that far off from McDavid. Um, turns out everybody's a little bit far off from McDavid, so. I don't know. You want to be the team that gives up on Connor Bedard, you know? Mm-hmm. It'd be like the Portland Trailblazers passing on uh, not only <laughs> Kevin Durant, but also Michael Jordan back in the day. Well, what happened? That's tough. That's a, that's a tough break. <laughs> the same franchise doing it twice. Yuck. Uh, this one from Drew. Will the mishandling of Tanner Pearson's injury have an effect on the recruitment of free agents moving forward? Oh, Impossible to say. Yeah. Um, Cop-out answer, but it is. Uh, so like Yannick mentioned, players talk. This stuff gets discussed. So it's totally fair to wonder if it does. And it could have some sort of an impact. But ultimately, money talks. And money's gonna. it's hard to come by in the National Hockey League nowadays. And reputations with teams go up and down. So I don't know if it's going to prevent them from actually signing free agents. But you do wonder if... There might be a couple of players who might say, you know what, we'd, we'd rather not. Generally, the thing that attracts free agents the most at a reasonable number is that your team is really good and they can see that you're going to win. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, like for years, everybody said that, well, right now, look at look at the Canucks right now. And, oh, who would want to play there? The media is so tough. And uh, it's it's not a not a great place to play because of that, and people are going to be on you all the time, and the team's no good. So yeah, you got to give an extra year to to really acquire a free agent. That's the reality of the situation. But ten years ago, or a little bit more than ten years ago now, when the Canucks were trying to recruit free agents, 
Everybody wanted to play for the Canucks because you could see you were going to maybe compete for a Stanley Cup. It's the same with the Leafs now before when they were the Fishbowl and the Fanuf and, and Kessel area, era and everybody would hammer on the Leafs and how terrible a market it was and you're, you're always getting scrutinized and nobody can do anything right. Now it, the, the script is flipped. You know, Tavares went there. You see a bunch of veteran guys going there on, on league men contracts. I mean, it's if you win, winning cures all. Ultimately, right now, none of these stories do the Canucks any favors because it just perpetuates the feeling that they are a franchise, at least publicly, that's not headed in a great direction. And that's something that will veer players away from playing for the Vancouver Canucks. This one, Canucks Insights. Let's change it up with the team being out of the playoff race. Should the Canucks give Hughes some reps on the right side with OEL? Why wait until it's necessary and have him less prepared? You mentioned OEL needing assistance and how Bear helped in that regard. Well, I mean, um, so I, I, I just think you may as well try it. I don't know if that's really a long-term solution here, right? And, and I think um, I think it's fine to try because you may as well give it an attempt. But I, I just don't think with OEL and Hughes, even, even if even – if, Hughes can play the right side, which I think he can, and I don't think it would be an issue. I'm not sure OEL is the right partner for him, anyways. I um, yeah, I, I I agree there. I think the the one player I'm I'm kind of on board with playing Bear next to uh, next to OEL, maybe even for the remainder of the season, just to see get a larger sample of how it works, because you know you're having OEL here next year. At least the thought was in recent weeks that they have seen enough from Bear that they're interested in keeping him around and extending him a contract. So I want I want to see if that's a potential at least palatable solution for the start of next season. So let's get to see a little bit more of a sample size between those two. That's that's the pairing I would go with uh, for the last third of the season if I could. This one from Nate. How are you guys? Must be annoying to have nothing positive to talk about when it comes to the franchise. I'm great, man. Honestly, great. I mean, yeah, it, it, it has been exhausting at times. And, he, and honestly, when the Quinn Hughes quote came out last night, it was like, oh, like it wasn't like, oh, great. Let's talk about this great, great topic of conversation. I mean, it was like, really, we got to talk about this now. Another layer of drama to try to dig through to see what this even means and everything. And it is that's exhausting trying to deal with one dramatic situation after another. But I don't know, man. Like I love what I do. We get to talk about National Hockey League team. We get to go to hockey games. We get to watch hockey games and break them down and and just have fun on air and talk to everybody around us. So I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm happy. I'm great. Yeah, hard to uh, hard to disagree uh, with being able to talk hockey for a living as as, uh, as a real negative. Uh, but I will say the other night I was grocery shopping uh, with with my partner and uh she wanted a coconut right and i'm like okay sure like we'll, we'll get the coconut and she's like you'll be able to open it right i'm like yeah sure i'll be able to I, I can open a coconut get home i'm watching like tiktok videos how the hell do you open this thing <laughs> what is going sure on sure enough i break out the hammer right you know no like because that's that's what you do to open up you watch a few tiktok videos it's like oh this is the easiest thing ever yeah just you know, slam the hammer on the on the middle of it, and you, it, it'll crack right open. And you got all the coconut water and the jelly in the middle to, to just enjoy as a as a nice late-night treat. Uh, well, didn't really work out that way. I'm there for like half an hour 
smacking this thing like bang, bang. Neighbors were probably freaking out. <laughs> There's like coconut musk all over my my kitchen because you know as I'm slamming this thing there's like bits flying all over the place it was a disaster i didn't like what happened why did i agree to this the thing was five bucks and it took me half an hour to break it open on top of that it was oh man painful how was it did it taste good the, the water was great yeah yeah oh, the water great. was so it was worth it the water was nice did but i'm like why didn't we a... just like buy a can of coconut water for two bucks <laughs> it was a late night treat <laughs> yes you eating coconuts late night yeah why not okay late night treat i, I mean I, I suppose. <laughs> I, I never thought, like, I've never at, like, 11 p.m. had the hankering for coconut. But, you know what? I'm going to split a coconut open. Well, by, the time I open by the time I opened it, it was like, well, we're eating this now. So, <laughs> Like, I do like dried fruit, and some of it is coconut, so I don't mind having that. But I don't know, man. In the evening, I've never had the urge to break open a, a coconut <laughs> in the it evening. It wasn't my craving, all right? I was doing something nice uh, for see, my wife. I see. I started see, at see. four o'clock, ended at eleven. <laughs> what? Well, in, in that well, case, the story is the coconut's not that easy to open up. Okay, the, th- no. the way they do it on TikTok and YouTube never works out that way in, in your own house. I'll tell you. My that. favorite is the one. Yeah, they they, they like hammer it four or five times, and each piece comes out. Like I've seen the pineapple one. <laughs> yes. They like they, they they smack the pineapple around four or five times, and then each little thing comes out perfectly. I'm like, oh, there's no way just, that's true. You can pull out the little like spikes on the pineapple, yeah. and it all. That's the dream. Just never worked. Otherwise, I'm okay, though. I was just frustrated by the uh, coconut the other night. Sorry. All right. Next uh, next question. <laughs> Oz, what was the last thing at 650 that wasn't handled properly? Boy, how much time do we have left? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I probably had some typos and some tweets. Yeah. Know. How much See, do uh, we want to reveal here? <laughs> yeah. See, unlike Quinn Hughes, we're not going to speak out of turn. Yeah. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do that, and uh, like somebody texted in. It's like I don't know if you guys can address this on air or not, but is Quinn Hughes gonna get traded now that he spoke out? And we saw your text. I, honestly, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think that would be the reason. You you heard earlier Friedman mentioned this season that the only untouchable would be Pedersen, so the possibility exists. I, I don't think this gets to that situation, but I can't I can't recall a situation like this at six fifty. But there are things that we probably can't talk about that. You know, may have may have ruffled feathers here and there, like any workplace. Yep. And did I say too much? Uh, no, no. Scheduling issues are always a thing. <laughs> oh, and you're going deep. Okay, all right. <laughs> you're actually mentioning some of it. <laughs> Is that deep scheduling issues? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> you want to move on before we get next into question, <laughs> Mike G. This question is for Sat. Which team is harder to watch? Chelsea FC or the Vancouver Canucks? So, uh, can I inject least... myself into this conversation too? Because yes, Juventus yes, was pretty can. brutal today. Oh, all I mean, right. dude, I know, I know, you've been having issues with Juventus all year, and so for me, like, I don't have, I don't have the same. So I, I don't have resentment when I watch the Canucks, but I have this disappointment in how the team is performing and what's going on, and this sense of they really got to get the ship in the right direction. I don't get the same sense with Chelsea. So what's happening at Chelsea, for people who are have no idea with, with European soccer and what's going on, imagine if the Canucks had Demko, Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, Horvat all injured. 
<laughs> so not the, kidding. The core five is all hurt. <laughs> yeah, like imagine, imagine all those guys are injured. That's what's going on at Chelsea. They have ten players who are who are like part of the rotation, six starters who are out. It's insane. It's in, like it's it's unprecedented the type of injuries they have. It's even worse than what the Canucks have had on the back end over the years. Like there was a year when they missed the playoffs in 0506 where Jovo, Olin, Salo, uh, they they were all injured down the stretch, and I think. Um, Jovo came back late, but it wasn't wasn't enough. And I think in 07, 08 or whatever it was when they missed the playoffs, uh, they also had a run of injuries on the back end. This is even worse than that. Like this is the worst thing I've ever seen. So I have some sympathy. They're in transition with a new owner and they have a new direction. They're spending a lot of money. So I, I, I'm not resentful when I watch them. So I'm, I give them leeway. It's just it just hurts when I watch them lose every time. Um, the answer is the Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, uh, for me, like uh, Juventus, like okay, so they had won like seven in a row in Serie A. They hadn't last, they hadn't scored a goal, or they hadn't allowed a goal. Sorry, I should say, in in eight matches. And then they go into this like big top of the table clash with Napoli today, and it was one of those like analytics things where their expected goals against were really high, and they were just you know skirting along without giving up any goals because of good goaltending and good luck. And then uh, today it all came and crashed down hard. And they lost five one, so it was tough. Tough man, it's it's rough for your team right now, and I'm, uh, I'm, the board resigned and everything. It's 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 a lot of hey, difficulties. Hey, 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 stop it! Oh, sorry, tough. Cheese. Still better off without Ronaldo on the squad. I'll tell you, I'll say that much. <laughs> it yeah, sure seems that way. Yep, it's great. The hate for Ronaldo supersedes everything. Hundred percent. Uh cheese is asking the question: If you could be any animal. Which animal would you be? A tiger. Oh, okay. I would probably go wolf just for the. That's that's always a been wolf? my default answer because yeah. last name. You know, I was thinking about this. I love dogs a lot. I don't know if I want to be a dog. Dog's pretty great life though. It if is. You, if you got a good family, you're, you're living a pretty good life as a dog. Yeah, depending on what type of dog you are, you get to have. If you have a good family, right? If you get to have a lot of adventures and freedoms and everything, then I could see that being super appealing. Short lifespan though. Yeah. You know. I mean, uh-huh. well, if we're talking dog years, you know. <laughs> That's not how like it works, Dad. Life. <laughs> uh, feels like, yeah, I, I was going to... The thing, though, is, like, have, have you watched nature documentaries and stuff? Yes. Uh, yes, everybody well, Now has, we got right? nature sad. Here we go. No, no, yeah. but no, everybody, everybody has watched them, right? Yes. Life out in nature is brutal. Being a wild animal is very brutal. It is. It's, it's, it's like very few of them survive and like a lot of them get killed. Like even cheetahs. I, was, I saw this thing the other day. Like, it's like what? They said like 90% of cheetah cubs don't make it. That's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. So I was like, I definitely don't, don't want to be a cheetah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's not an easy question to answer. Tigers, like maybe an eagle. Maybe an eagle. Honestly, just soar away. and You can mess people up too if you need to. Yeah. Probably an eagle. <laughs> I was thinking maybe dolphin too. They're super smart. Dolphins are yeah. super smart. Yeah, a lot of water to be a whale, like a yeah. like a big whale. You yeah, know? you might get caught and turn into tuna though. So I don't know if I want that. Lion king of the jungle. It's not bad. All right, AJ, how do you design the perfect burrito? So sauce has got to go on the bottom. Yes. Right. You get the spoon and you spread the sauce out along the bottom of the of the tortilla. In a line or all around? All around. Oh, okay. Then I think base layer is always rice, right? Yeah. Little, yes. Little bit of beans. Then, uh, then you go with your protein. What kind of beans? 
I'm I'm usually a black beans guy. Same. Can't do the refried. Sorry. And you get your protein, and uh, maybe some salsa and guac. Yeah. So salsa, guac, very simple. Has to be to me like a proper burrito. Has to have some sort of like you know Spanish red rice. Mm. Has to have the rice. I prefer. Um, Pinto and black, it's kind of like depends on the day. I'll go with black beans. Steak. Mm. Steak is an underrated burrito. It has to be steak. And then obviously, you know, guacamole. I believe the correct term is carne asada. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) What am I wrong? Stop. Facts only. Come on. (laughs) Um, I would also throw some lettuce, tomato on there too. Yeah. Cheese. Man, we're talking like 1,200 calories here on this burrito. Well, <laughs> it's going to be a good burrito. It's a good burrito. It's going to taste really good. Uh, and last one, Discount Dracula. Fitness question. Running steady for 20 minutes or sprinting hard for five minutes, which is more beneficial? Uh, well, I, I'm not sprinting hard for five minutes. Like, do I sprint hard consecutively for five minutes or like 30-second intervals? I think the the – basis of the question is would you rather do you think it's more beneficial to jog or do sprints my understanding is sprints yes it's sprints like it's better to sprint i mean it's not that it's significantly better there's so much more to fitness than just doing one thing like there's so many different things and anybody who tells you it's one thing there or there is a plan you can do or whatever like it's there's so many different things that go into it like don't don't fall for all the ponzi schemes around fitness but yes, it's better to have the intensity than just doing that for 20 minutes. But it all depends on your body and what you need. You're Science for different is people. Back. Yeah, you tell them there's not a, <laughs> there's not one quick trick that my like dietitians don't want me to know. Yeah, I mean, like you know, for uh, well, I mean, there's sprints. You're like just you're really pushing it hard, and then obviously stopping. A lot of start-stop. I always felt like it was good for, for hockey because, you know, you're going out there for 45 to a minute shifts, obviously less at the pro level, but I was never close to that. Um, so, you know, that – like the, the sprints element very much uh, exists in the hockey rink. Um, so it really does come down to what your preference is. But I've never yeah. – like I've done some – you know, I've done the sun run a bunch of times, but I'm not really a long-distance runner kind of guy, to be honest. Yeah. I'd assume the the jogging helps more with stamina, but if you're trying to, like, get more fit, it might be the sprints. Well, you just tend to, like, lose a lot of weight when you you jog super long distances, and you just skin and bones. Yeah. (laughs) You got to make sure you do eat enough food. Yeah. Uh, That's where you get to the 4,000 calories a day or so. Maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Uh, all right. Bit, still a bit, a bit high. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. Uh, all right. We'll do some uh, mailbag overflow and an NFL wildcard weekend preview next on Canuck Central.